and me. He sees the nail-scarred hands that bought my liberty. I stand redeemed. Even at my best, I am unworthy. I have nothing precious I can give. A broken life is all I have to offer. And yet, it is a priceless gift to Him. The bitter mark of sin will never fade away. When I can come before Him unashamed. Amen. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles. Turn over the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. We're going to read uh, verse 52, and then we're going to utilize that to kind of kick off uh, our new, uh, I guess, series, I guess you would call it. Uh, The series we're going to discuss and the topic I'm going to address over the next couple of weeks is going to be entitled, What Should Be My Attitude Toward My Job and My Employer? All right, we're going to try to learn something about that, all right? What should be my attitude toward my job and my employer? Hey, that's a great one. That's a great one. I can tell you're excited. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, we do ask that you would speak to our hearts through this time. And Lord, just give us insight and understanding to your word. Lord, may we truly glean from your scriptures and grow as a result. And Father, may we have open hearts and open minds to your word and to your spirit. Lord, may we not just assume we understand and know everything about this subject. But instead, Lord, may we ask ourselves, what can I learn? What area am I weak? May I be able to glean something that will better me and enable me to be a better testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us now tonight. We pray you'd speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit walk these aisles. And may you, Father, fill me with your spirit and every listening ear. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
In our passage tonight, Mary and Joseph, they find Jesus in the temple. And he is sitting in the midst of the doctors, the learned men of God. And he is hearing them and he is asking them questions. The Bible tells us that all that heard the Lord Jesus Christ, however, they were astonished at his understanding and they were astonished at his answers. Now, it's important to realize that at this time, he's a mere 12 years of age. Now, I don't know about you, but there's not too many 12-year-olds that I really care to listen to about the Bible. I'm sure that if they came to me and said, Preacher, let me share with you some things about the Word of God that you've never studied, you've never understood, you've no have any concept or clue about, I'd be like, shut up, little kid. And you say, that's pretty mean. Shut up's a bad word. Well, that kid needs to do something. That'd be pretty arrogant for a 12-year-old to act like that. I don't know who his parents would be. They must be geniuses. Maybe they're MIT grads. Maybe he's a genius. I don't know. But a 12-year-old, that would be very unusual for a little 12-year-old to be able to teach the doctors. And I'm talking about, I'm no doctor. Well, they say I'm a doctor, right? You remember that, right? That was just given to me. I'm talking about a learned man. I'm talking about those that have studied their whole lives. People that were probably in their 40s, their 50s, and their 60s. And here's this 12-year-old in the midst of them, teaching them. That's amazing, if you ask me. Now, there are some 12-year-olds that probably, and I'm sure can, teach me a few things, especially about the Bible, if they're that smart. But probably, I don't really know that there's any in our church. I don't even think there's a teenager that's smart here. No? Just checking, guys. And ladies. Oh, there's a couple ladies that are. Yes, there are a few. Yeah, I'm sure. But the guys forget it. But anyway, but I'm talking about a 12-year-old. That's an amazing thing. And so nonetheless... The Bible still goes on to say that he would ultimately follow his parents and obey them like he ought to. And he ends up back in Nazareth. Nazareth. And uh, he never stops growing and he never stops learning according to our passage. It says that he increased in wisdom and stature. Now wait a second. Here's a 12-year-old that's already teaching. A 12-year-old that's already able to uh, discern scripture and, and, and I mean just amaze the doctors and amaze the learned men and amaze the people that were there seated in the temple. And yet the Bible tells us that he's increasing in wisdom and stature. But it goes on to say that he also increased in favor with God and man. It didn't stop there. Although he was God in the flesh, his example to each of us was the need to keep growing And to find ourselves in favor with God and man. The next time you and I believe that we've arrived, that we've come to a place where we know enough about the word of God that we can sit back on our laurels or leaves and we can take it easy and relax. We need to remember the example of a 12 year old Jesus who said, it's not time to stop learning. Even though I have all the answers, I'm still going to increase in wisdom and stature. And then it's very important and probably even more important that we realize and recognize the need to grow in favor with God and man. 
That's big. See, there's a real need for the believer to increase in favor with God and man. Everybody, there's a lot of people that think, well, I want to grow in favor with God, but I don't care about growing in favor with man. Well, that's a mistake. That's a big mistake. The truth is that our relationship with others is most often an indication of our relationship with God. I say most often because there are situations where people might hate your guts for your faith and your walk with the Lord. I mean, that's one of those old terms that I grew up with, hate your guts. I know I'm talking kind of different tonight, maybe. I don't know why. Maybe it's the weather. I'm not sure. But, but we grew up, you know, I mean, you know, the people hated Jesus' guts. I'll tell you that right now. They hated him. And it wasn't his fault. I guess that's why I'm, I'm making that disclaimer. But the truth is, is that most often when we have bad relationships with other people, it's not because of our walk with Christ is so close. It is a reflection of a failed relationship with God. Now, again, we are sadly mistaken to think that we can be cynical and critical and even cruel to others while all along being right with God. That does not happen, folks. That is an impossibility according to the Word of God. Even Jesus himself grew in favor with God and man. It's impossible. Let me tell you what, if you're not growing in favor with man, I can almost guarantee you haven't been growing in favor with God. Now, again, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, you know, when you're living for Jesus and there's persecution and maybe somebody doesn't appreciate your testimony. I'm talking about when you just don't get along with people or you just don't find it easy to deal with folks. Let me tell you something. There's something wrong with your walk with God. You're kidding yourself if you somehow believe that you got it right with God, but you can't get it right with man. There's something wrong there. Look, if you would, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. <clears throat> the Lord makes provision in the scriptures, and I know this isn't necessarily the, the, the topic, but it's setting the, the, the groundwork or the framework for what we're going to deal with. Because when you consider your employer, you consider working together with other employees, and you're at the workplace, you have to learn to get along with people. And notice what the Bible says here. And again, I, I'm amazed at how a believer could possibly think they can be a bad employee. They can have a bad testimony among the others there. They can have a bad attitude at work. And yet they're so right with God. That's impossible. It doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't work that way. And he's our greatest example. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberst that thy brother hath aught against thee. And listen, that doesn't just apply to the church. That doesn't just apply to the house. That applies to the workplace too. That's talking about human beings. And there are other people that are saved at work too. If you want to get technical and say, well, obviously the word brother there has to do with a brother in Christ. Well, first and foremost, you ought to be right with your brothers in Christ. But I'm going to tell you something right now. You ought to be right with the lost too. And so therefore, the Lord is saying, listen, if you bring thy gift to the altar, you bring a gift here to me, and there remembers that thy brother hath ought against thee, 
the implication, I believe, has something to do with the fact that there's probably some fault on your, in, in your, your court there. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. God says, I don't even want your gift. You ain't ready to give it yet. It's not time to give a gift when you don't have something right with your brother, when you have ought against your brother, you have a problem with your brother, or you don't see him or her the way you ought to see your brother or sister. You need to get that straightened out. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. God says there's some priorities. And so the relationship that we have with mankind, the, the relationship we have with people, whether it's in our home or whether it's in our church family or possibly even at work, is important. It's valuable. It's, it's very, very needed and necessary. Good relationships needed and necessary, and God expects it. We need to do our very best, you and I, to get along with everybody we come in contact with. Get along with them. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans 12, 18, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Understand the context of that passage. That is a day when the Roman government was mercilessly persecuting believers. That was a day when Judaizers were persecuting and killing believers. That was a day, remember, when before the apostle Paul who was then Saul, got saved, was going out and accosting believers and ripping them out of their homes and dragging them into prison and killing them before their very families. And the Lord is telling them, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, with every ounce and fiber of your being, get along with people. Live peaceably with people. Don't be at battle with people. Don't be at odds with others. Get along with people. Isn't that amazing? I wonder how hard do you try to get along with your coworkers and your boss? How hard do you try to get along with your wife or husband? How hard do you try to get along with your kids? Or your family members, your friends, your church family, your enemies? You may not be able to get along with all your enemies, but it shouldn't be because you don't try. You get what I'm saying? As much as life in you, as much as life in you, I mean, we are to live peace with all men. If it be possible, if at all possible. Now, there are certain situations where somebody's been hurt to, uh, and I don't want to go into details, to a place where they don't need contact necessarily with someone that's hurt them and, and has harmed them. They need to forgive, but they wouldn't be wise to pursue a relationship in any way with them. However, that's not the case, I think, that we're addressing here. You know how it is at work. I don't like her. I don't like him. Why? Well, we don't see eye to eye. So what? I mean, really? You kidding me? Why don't you know? You know what I do sometimes? Uh, I go to the hospital a lot, and when I walk out of the hospital, I always say, "Wow, glad I'm not in here." And then I sometimes have to counsel and deal with certain people. 
And sometimes people are just downright unreasonable. And it's not usually, and listen, I'm going to be honest. I do a lot of counseling, and it seems the most counseling I do aren't really for the members of the church. It seems like there's people that want to just talk to me even from outside the church. They don't have a church of their own. They, they're not really maybe uh, faithful in, in, in their walk with the Lord or something, and they want to counsel with me. And, and I don't turn, I try not to turn people away. I try to work with people. I try to help people, even if they're not, quote, members as a whole. Now, again, I, I won't waste time with somebody once I see them if, if they're not going to take steps to be right with the Lord and take steps to do the things the way God wants them to. Uh, I, I can't waste my time because I can't help anybody. The Lord has to help them. But, but, but there's been times people have sat across from my desk, especially couples, and, and maybe not even, they're not faithful members. They're, they're not folks that come here all the time even. And I mean to tell you, I hear stories, it's like, wow. And I hear what some guy's got to put up with. And I hear what some lady's putting up with and dealing with. And I, you know what I do? Sometimes I leave that, I, they leave and I go, I get in my car to drive home and I go, well, praise the Lord, I don't have to live with that. Thank you, Lord. Now, hold on. Why is it you and I can't go to work and there's somebody there that I just don't, that we don't see eye to eye. I don't like them. Why can't we just say, well, am I glad I don't have to live with them? I just have to work with them. But praise God, I don't have to live with them. I can get along with them for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, but praise God, I don't have to live with them. I mean, I, I'm not, I know, and somebody says, well, that ain't the spirit of the word of God. I know, but why can't we at least get there? I mean, we're trying to get along with people. Work at it. Our reputation and our testimony for Christ is at stake here. That's what's really at stake. It's not about you. It's about him. That's what the Bible's saying. It's not about me. It's about him. What does all this have to do with my attitude toward my job and my employer? That's a great question. See, life is all about relationships. And since we spend about one quarter of our adult life on the job, it's very essential to your growth to learn how the Lord Jesus would have you look at this area of responsibility in your life. I mean, think about it. You spend probably at least one quarter of your life or one third of your life at work. Well, I mean, it's important that we get this nailed down. See, if, if you intend to be an effective servant of God, then you gotta, you, you're going to have to do so with all of your life, not just the portion like while you're at church, you know? You've you got to realize how God wants you to address every issue, including when you're at work. And we spend a lot of time at work, many of us. And God's saying, listen, I've got some directions, and I've got some things for you in the Word of God that will help you at work. I can tell you what your attitude ought to be toward your employer, toward your job, toward those you work with. And sometimes if we're not careful, we dismiss that and we say, well, what really matters is how I get along with people at the church, I guess, or how I get along with my own wife and family. I know, but a big part of your life is spent at work and God's saying, listen, you're a Christian all the time. And so we need to learn how to conduct ourselves on the job. Reaching the end of a job interview, the Human resources officer asked a young engineer fresh out of college, he said, and what starting salary are you looking for, young man? Well, in the region of about 125000 a year, depending on the benefit package. The interviewer said, hmm, well, 
you seem pretty qualified. I mean, what would you say to a package of five weeks vacation, 14 paid holidays, full medical and dental, company matching retirement fund, a company car leased every two years, say a red Corvette. The engineer sat straight up in his chair and he said, wow, are you kidding me? He said, yeah, but you started it. Now we get, we get our foot in the door and now we're working. I don't think he got that job, by the way. But we get our foot in the door, then we need to know how to respond. And we need to know how to act toward those that we're either being led by or those maybe even following us. So this lesson basically is designed to help you and I be the type of employee or employer that God would have us to be. That's all it's about. Because we spend a big portion of our life working. Now, you may, maybe you don't work outside the home, ladies. Maybe you're, you're at home with your kids and you're, maybe even you try to homeschool. You even do some of that stuff. That's fine. But let me tell you, when you come here and, and you assume a position as a Sunday school teacher or working in the nursery or dealing on the buses, then in a sense, you're working for somebody. There's somebody in charge and you are working for them. So it applies to all of us, no matter where we're at. If we're, you know, uh, in some ministry or if we're at some job or it, boy, I'll tell you, this is important stuff. And so, first of all, if we're going to understand where we belong or our attitude toward our job and employer, I think one thing that we need to start with is this thought. All saved people, all born again believers are called to full-time Christian service. That's very important to realize and understand. We're all called to full-time Christian service. That's the first thing that I want to address uh, in this particular study. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. That's in the New Testament. <laughs> Thought I'd give you a clue. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm telling you what, you guys got to hope I get out of here quick because I'm really losing it tonight. This is, I don't know what it is. Sherry, we ate before we left. I don't know if Sherry put something in the food or what, but. (laughs) All right, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Let's read through verse 3 together. I'll read aloud, you read silently with me. I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, of course, in this particular passage, uh, you know, I'm sure you recognize and understand who's writing. We know it's God's Word, but he uses certain men as pens and This is the Apostle Paul writing now to the church at Ephesus. And we see right off the bat, he says, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. I think that's interesting, don't you? I mean, the Lord, uh, the the Apostle Paul says, I am the prisoner of the Lord. I mean, the prisoner of the the Lord. I mean, that's important. And that's that's very, very important. Because you got to understand that In those days, there were a lot of slaves. In those days, slavery was legal. 
And, and you're going to notice, even in the Word of God, the, the Bible, the, the, God doesn't address the social issues so much of His day. He's addressing the heart of people because in affixing the hearts of mankind, you will fix social problems. And in this case, we have the Apostle Paul who alludes to this aspect of being a prisoner. And, and, and he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not some... Uh, um, you know, I'm not Caesar's slave. I'm not Caesar's prisoner. I am the Lord Jesus's prisoner. I choose to surrender myself and submit myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not under the authority of some, some king or, or some magistrate. I am submitting myself to Jesus Christ. He is the one whom I am a prisoner to. He rules over me. I like that Paul makes it clear where his allegiances and alliances lay. And again, mankind may try to put us under their thumb and mankind may try to tell us what we have to do or can't do. Or, but when it's all said and done, you know what? We know who we serve. And that's the Lord. And Paul was serving the Lord here. And, you know, it's interesting as we move in this passage, uh, just think of this. Our Christian character must be in keeping with our calling. Again, Paul spent some time earlier in chapter 3 talking about the fact of our citizenship. And we're going to note that here in just a minute. In Philippians 3.20, he says, For our conversations in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's addressing this issue of, of, of the fact that we are citizens of heaven. We've talked about that in some of our other studies. But as a believer, we're responsible to live our lives in a way that reflects positively on the Lord and the land that we represent. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 5.20 to say, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors for Christ. So basically he's saying we spend our entire lives serving the Lord. That's what we do, really. Now I know you have an employer, but you also have a Savior. And the fact is today is that every believer in this room, if you know Christ is your Savior, is to spend your life serving that Lord. That's our real vocation as believers. Giving our life to Christ, living for the Lord Jesus. That means that every believer is a full-time Christian. We're to be on the job every moment of every day. When you get up out of the bed, you're on the job. When you go in to brush your teeth, you're on the job. When you sit at the breakfast table with your family or by yourself, you are on the job. When you head on out to go to work that day and you're on the road headed to work, you're on the job. We are on the job 24-7. And someone says, yeah, but I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are in the ministry as a believer. You're a full-time Christian servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not be paid. You may not stand behind a pulpit. You may not be on a staff. You may not be giving your 8, 10, 12, 16 hours a day to the Lord in that regard. But my friend, you are 24-7 for him. Just like all of us. Full-time. And it's important that we understand that every born-again believer are called to be full-time Christian into full-time Christian service. Now, the Bible is very clear that every saved person is an integral part of the body of Christ. And that each member contributes, contribution is extremely important. Every one of our contributions is. Now, God expects every Christian to be involved then in the Lord's work. 
Because everybody's a part of it. Everybody's a piece of it. You're not insignificant. You can't say, I don't count. I'm nobody. You can't say that. And, and I just don't, I, I don't feel like I fit in. Well, guess what? There's somewhere for you. Find it. Well, I'm waiting on someone to ask me. Why? You're full time. Find a spot. Someone says, well, isn't it the pastor's job to appoint all the jobs? Well, I think there's a number of other guys around here running ministries that'd be more than happy for you to say, hey, I'm interested. I wish, I, I know quite a few needs in the church. Someone says, well, I, I would like to be used and I'm a member of this church. Well, I can tell you a lot of places. You know why I don't tell people a lot of the places that need used, where we need people? Because a lot of people don't want to serve in those areas. We can use you ladies in the nursery if you don't have a felony charge for manslaughter. (laughs) Anything short of that, we'll use you. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, the, the point being is, is that we can use ladies in our nursery. Hey, by the way, we could probably use people to help repaint some walls. We could use people to clean the carpets from time to time. We could use people to do a lot of manual labor around here. We could use you if you would be consistent and faithful. If you'd say, well, that's below me. No, I want a job of leadership. Well, then you may be waiting a while. You got to prove yourself for that one. You have to not just spend time here at the church, but you need to be doing the right things while you're here. I don't know about you, but at your company and your employer, you just show up for work, but you don't always do the best job. You just do a mediocre job. Are you the one that gets the promotion? Of course not. Why would you? You got to go above and beyond. You want to be recognized. You want to be noticed. You got to take the next step. It's not just how much time you spend at the job. Just because you've been there 20 years doesn't mean you should be boss. See, that's where our attitude sometimes gets wrong, even as believers. We start to think, well, I've been, on, I've been working over here at such and such company for so many years, I don't understand why they keep passing me up for promotion. Well, maybe there might be a good reason. You might want to go ask a few people. And maybe not even the boss, because they probably lie to you because they don't want to have to tell you the truth. Ask some of the other employees around you and say, hey, how's come somebody, how's come I get passed up? What do you really think? Don't pull any punches. You might be surprised. Someone might unload on you. I'm just saying, you know, I know that this is kind of stupid. I'm talking all kind of crazy stuff tonight, but, but it's, you know, it's the truth. Now, again, we spend our lives serving the Lord. So I want to encourage you to do that. Every person does. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 17. For as the body is one and hath many members, all are members that are of one, uh, that all the members are of one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Watch now, listen. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? 
And the point just being is God's trying to help us all understand we all have a place. We have a purpose. We have, a, we have somewhere that God needs us. It's part of a body. That's the picture he's giving us. Everyone fits somewhere, somehow. Now, it wasn't that long ago. Just the other day, I noticed that my, my hip was bothering me. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that just, I, I couldn't get my mind off my hip. Every time I took a step, I'm like, man, that hurts. Wow, that hurts. It's really hurting. What's going on with my hip? You know, I never even noticed my hip till it started hurting. Isn't that crazy? I've had that hip for a long time. <laughs> you thought I was going to give my age away, didn't you? I've had that hip a long time, but you know what? I didn't notice it hurting until just the other day. It's kind of hurting. I'm like, let me say this, if, if, if you're in the body and you're plugged in and you don't get noticed, that might be a good thing. That means you're doing your job. You know, we're, we're really weird about that. We always want somebody to pat us on the back maybe. And not, I'm, I'm not listen, understand, I'm talking in general. I, we, I think our church is, is unusual from that. I, there's so many people who have been serving for so many years. You don't expect a pat. I get that. But hold on. You know how it is, human nature. We're like that. Maybe even at work, we're like that. We do our job. We, get, we, we do exactly what we're told to do, and we do, it, we do it well in our minds. And nobody ever notices, and we think somehow, there's something wrong with that. No, that's normal. It's not till you start squeaking or hurting that the boss goes, what is wrong with you? And then you go, the only time they ever notice me is when I do something wrong. Exactly. Again, I know we're trying to work on it. We try to work on that. We want to recognize people that do a good job and say well done and all that. Get that. We, we, we ought to. We ought to work at that. But don't be surprised if, if you go a while and nobody says good job. Maybe you're just doing so well that they don't have to worry about you. You're that faithful and you're that trustworthy. And, and God's going to reward you whether they do or not. That's a wonderful thing not to be noticed sometimes. When I went in the military, I prayed and begged the Lord that the sergeant wouldn't recognize me. I, I, I mean, when he said attention, I was like, he said he's, I'm, I mean, I mean, I was snapping all over the place. Why? Because I didn't want to be recognized. I just wanted to do what I was told. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But anyway, the, the fact is, is that he noticed when you messed up. Now, again, we're all part of the body, so let's be part of it, and let's join into it, full-time Christian servants. And so here's the thing. We're in service for God, whether we're at church or not, and that's the part we need to understand. So when you're at the job or you're at at your place of employment, you are on the job for Jesus. You are a representative of Christ. Do you realize that the, the, the place where you work is probably one of your greatest mission fields? That you're going to have probably greater opportunity there to invite some lost man or woman to Christ or to possibly invite them to the house of God or to a service or to an activity. You're going to have opportunities to interact and have a, a, a relationship with those that are in need of the Lord Jesus Christ in a setting that is very safe for you and yet affords you the opportunity to make an impact. Do you get that? And so 
what I guess we're trying to say as we kick off this series is, is that you have a place in the house of God, yes. But whether you're here serving in this place, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ in your workplace. Wherever you are at, you are full time. You're on the clock for Jesus Christ. And how you respond to your employer, how you deal with the people around you, your attitude at that workplace reflects either positively or negatively on the Lord Jesus Christ who saved your soul. And we cannot forget that. I was coming off the highway the other day, yesterday, and uh, actually it was this morning, and this big old truck, I mean, I was coming around the curb this way, and they join in. It's coming off of Route 77 north, getting on to 224. So I'm coming around, and, and I've got the um, yield. And they're coming around from Route 8, you know. And, and I mean to tell you, I'm coming around the corner. Maybe it was last night for soul winning. I can't remember now. And this big old truck, not a, not a semi-truck, you know, one of those guys that, that likes to have a, you know, gun rack on the back. I mean, outside of dualies on the back wheels, I mean, it was a big truck. I found out it was two ladies. But anyway, they they were flying around the corner. And I come around and I'm thinking, I'm staying tight to the edge and I'm moving. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm going well, you know, speed limit. And I'm going around and all of a sudden this truck comes. And instead of staying on, like, we're coming together, staying out here, and then me coming like that, they went, kind of cut me off. So you know what I did as a red-blooded American? I laid on the horn. I sped up to about 89 miles an hour, got in front of them, brake-checked them. No, I didn't do any of that. I didn't do that. But I mean to tell you, I was like, are you crazy? You could have killed me. I mean, I was like, what is going on here? You could have easily stayed on your side. I could have stayed on mine. I'd have slid right in. And so then they, they, they kind of pull over, and then I start driving up. And they're like, oh, great. If these are two big guys, now they're going to think, what is, oh, you were getting mad, I bet, weren't you? You know how it is. And I'm like, oh, man. Fortunately, it was two ladies. They were small. And so I pulled off, and they pulled right behind me then. And I'm like, oh, great, and I'm going to the church. And I, I didn't really do anything wrong, but it was like, if they saw my face, like, what? I thought, man, what a bad testimony that'd be. And so I pulled down, and fortunately, they, got, they, they stopped there where they shouldn't stop. They had no clue where they were going, so I was glad. That, but anyway, I pulled in. Here's the point. What if I would have done something really stupid? Then I pull right on into the church. They pull right in and go, hey, dude, who are you? Well, I'm just the pastor here. (laughs) I mean, hey, I was on the clock coming into work. I was on the clock. I was representing. I was serving. You're on the clock 24 hours a day too. See, we all are. We're all full-time Christians. And a big part of our life is spent in this place called the workplace. 
Let's never forget that we're already on the clock before we punch in. Father, we come to you.